0: Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Many of us are possessed by our possessions, and the result can be disaster. Well, what should be our attitude if we're Christians about money and materialism? It's not exactly what you think. The Bible doesn't say money is evil. The love of money is evil, but money isn't evil. We need to keep uh, money in perspective according to God's Word.
1: Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor Dr. Robert Jeffress. Materialism is characterized by the continual pursuit of more. But although this craving is part of our DNA, it's another mountain that blocks us from the blessed life that God wants us to experience. Today on Pathway to Victory... Dr. Robert Jeffress shows us how to overcome the insatiable desire for earthly treasures. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Let me begin today with a couple of questions.
0: How do you respond when your best friend shows up at your house with a brand new car? Or how do you feel when someone at work gets a promotion to a position that you had privately hoped to get? Well, If you're normal, these moments can stir up feelings of envy and jealousy. In a moment, we're going to study Paul's counsel on how to find genuine contentment. It's part of the Invincible teaching series that we're in right now. But first, I'd like to remind you that there's still time for you to request the exclusive set of encouragement cards for the Invincible series. One of the 10 cards is devoted to today's topic— moving from materialism to contentment. You can request all 10 encouragement cards as our gift to you simply by going to ptv.org. Now, in addition to the encouragement cards, I've written a full-length hardbound book Called Invincible, and it's designed for personal study, or it would make the perfect choice for your Sunday school class as well, especially when you couple this book with the DVD series that has been produced for the Invincible series. Invincible addresses issues we all confront. I'm referring to barriers, obstacles like lust, anxiety, loneliness, and grief. My book, Invincible, is yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now it's time to get started with today's topic. Our passage is Philippians chapter 4, and I titled today's message, Moving from Materialism to Contentment. The Royal Charter was one of the fastest ships ever built in the United Kingdom. In October of 1859, she was returning from Australia with her cargo hold filled with boxes of gold. But that wasn't the only gold on board. Of her 377 passengers, many carried gold coins in their luggage or had sewn gold coins into their clothing. As the royal charter came in sight of Holyhead, the skies grew ominous. Then the hurricane struck and drove the ship backward. Captain Taylor ordered the anchors to be dropped to stop their drift as the Royal Charter was battered by gale force winds. Distress signals were sent to no avail. No rescue ship could be safely launched. Only 40 of the 377 passengers and crew made it to shore alive. Why? Many people drowned because they refused to remove their gold-laden clothing. As one writer said, humans have a particularly strong and at times irrational obsession with their possessions. Every year, car owners are killed or seriously injured in their attempts to stop the theft of their vehicles, a choice that few would make in the cold light of the day. It's as if there is a demon in our minds that compels us to fret over the stuff we own and make risky lifestyle choices in the pursuit of material wealth. I think we are possessed. I think the author is right. Many of us are possessed by our possessions, and the result can be disaster Because these passengers on the royal charter were unwilling to separate themselves from their possessions, they ended up perishing. But those people ultimately who refuse to separate themselves, see themselves apart from what they own, face spiritual death as well. In our series Invincible, we're talking about conquering the 10 challenges, the 10 mountains that separate us from the life God wants us to experience. And today we're going to talk about conquering the mountain of materialism, a, a, a challenge that robs us not only of the abundant life God wants us to experience now, but the abundant life he wants us to experience for all eternity. First of all, I think we need to define what materialism is. When you think of somebody who is a materialist, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of billionaires vacationing on the French Riviera, or driving around in their Lamborghinis, or lounging around in their penthouses in New York City. We tend to think of a materialist as somebody who doesn't have any interest in spiritual things. In fact, I looked up the dictionary definition of materialism and found this, quote, the tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values, but did you know that's not really true? A materialistic person is not an unspiritual person. We all have a spiritual side to us. We all have a spiritual longing for fulfillment, for for peace, uh, for security. Uh, The materialist doesn't give up his spiritual pursuits. He just finds them, satisfies them in a different way. Instead of looking to the God of the Bible to satisfy that spiritual hunger, he looks to the God of money, of materialism, to satisfy those hungers. And that's why, really, a materialist is a spiritual person, but he's looking to idols rather than the real God to satisfy those needs. Paul makes that point in Colossians 3 verse 5. He writes, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and notice this, the last one, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Idolatry is worshiping anything, anyone other than the true God, looking to them to provide your ultimate needs. And Paul is saying greed is really a form of idolatry. It's looking to money rather than to God to fulfill that spiritual desire you have. Jesus made the same point in Matthew six twenty four. He said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, you cannot worship both God and money. Money is a God that people chase after to satisfy their needs. And it's understandable why some people would choose to worship money. The fact is, money makes many of the same promises that the true God makes. For example, money promises security. Don't we all long for security? I think about a friend of mine who... uh, Came into a $25 million windfall, and sold something, made $25 million. We weren't good enough friends that he gave me any of it. But you know, he, um, it was a big deal to him. He thought, you know, now I'm set. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat. I can have steak and lobster if I want to every night. Don't I have to worry about sending my kids to college. I can pay cash if I want to. I can travel anywhere in the world I want to. I don't even have to stay at my job. I can tell my boss what I really think of him you know, he felt pretty good, pretty secure. But that security that we think a certain amount of money will provide us is elusive and it's illusory. It's just an illusion. Uh, There are many things money cannot protect you against. And there's a great illustration of that in Luke chapter 12. Turn over there for a moment. In verse 15, Jesus sounded this warning. He said, Be on your guard against materialism. Literally, be on your guard against greed, every form of it, for not even when a man has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. You are more than what you own, Jesus says. Don't define your life by what you own. Why? Well, he told a parable. He said, And Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And the rich man began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? In an agricultural society, the way you measured wealth was by the crops your land would produce. And he said, I've got so much excess, I don't know what to do with it. And then he said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my current barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice the two things this farmer's money was going to provide him. First of all, security. I've got enough money stacked away, stashed away to take care of me for many years. I don't ever have to work again. And then he said, I can enjoy a life of luxury. Luxury, a luxurious life. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he was looking for. He thought money had provided both of those things, security and luxury. But there is one contingency this rich man had never planned for. Look at verse 21. As he was having this conversation with himself, God said to him, but God said to him, he intervened in his life and he said, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? That word required in Greek is a banking term. It means to call in a loan. God said, you had made all of your plans for the future but you forgot your life is just on loan to you and I can call in the loan anytime I want. You fool, tonight your soul is required of you and now who will own all that stuff you have packed into the barns? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Any security you think money or your possessions will provide you. is just an illusion. We saw a recent illustration of that. From 2010 to 2020, the Permian Basin in West Texas experienced the greatest oil boom in history, but it all changed on April 21st, 2020, almost exactly a year ago. Do you remember what happened that day? For the first time in history, West Texas intermediate oil futures turned negative Minus $30 a barrel. You'd actually have to pay people to take oil off of your hands. A Midland businessman, millionaire, David Arrington, instead of crying to keep from crying, he placed a humorous sign outside of his office in downtown Midland. We'll trade oil for toilet paper. (laughs) Everything you have can turn into toilet paper overnight. That's the message for all of us. The security money says it will offer is just an illusion. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 23, verses four and five, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth will certainly make itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Look, money can never protect you from having a stranger steal the affections of your mate. It can never protect you from a car crash. It can never protect you from a metastasizing cancer cell. And it certainly can never protect you from death. Secondly, people worship money because money promises peace. You know, people think, well, when I get a certain amount of money, my life will be a lot easier. It will bring peace out of chaos. We've read those stories of lottery ticket winners who suddenly became millionaires overnight and all of the trouble that it brought into their life. Jack Whitaker won $312 million in the West Virginia lottery. He told a reporter afterwards, I wish I had torn the ticket up. For after he had won the lottery, his daughter and granddaughter both died of drug overdoses. He was also robbed of $450,000 he said, I don't like what I've become. Indeed, many winners of the lottery become alcoholics, drug addicts. They lose their marriages. They lose friends. But that's not just limited to lottery winners. The fact is, wealth, money can bring many stresses into your life. You say, well, I'd like to have some of that stress. Well, think about it before you say that. In Ecclesiastes 5, Solomon, who was the wealthiest man of his day, said, When goods increase, those who consume them increase. So what advantage is it to their owners except to look on? The sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. In other words, a wealthy person stays up at night worrying about his money, taxes to pay, more employees to manage, government regulations to deal with. There is stress, not peace, many times that comes with wealth. Finally, people worship money because it promises fulfillment. It promises and what it buys to fill that hole that is in all of our hearts. We think, if only I had a certain income or had a certain amount of money, finally I could build my dream house or I could drive my dream car. Or I could take my dream vacation. The truth is, dream houses still get backed up toilets. Dream cars still get uh, scratches and dings on them. Dream vacations, no matter how exotic, finally come to an end. That's why 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a grief. You know, money is like salt water. The more you consume, the more you thirst for it. That's the danger of salt water. It never, never satisfies. And and that's the same thing about money. You know, I was thinking about this (laughs) this week while I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking back. To when I first came on the staff here back in the 1970s as the youth minister. And Dr. Criswell had hired me and he turned, uh, turned it over to the personnel committee to set my salary. And I'll never forget the phone call I got from the personnel chairman one Saturday morning. He said, uh, Robert, the personnel committee's met. We've decided what we're going to pay you. We're going to pay you $800 a month. And I remember hanging up the phone and turning to Amy and saying, Amy, they're going to pay us $800 a month. What are we going to do with all of that money? And I was serious. I couldn't imagine that much money. 800. Guess what? We found something to do with the money. And you know, I found out through the years, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It seems like you always find something to do with it. If you're not careful, if you allow materialism to become an obsession, it is an insatiable thirst. Money doesn't provide fulfillment. Well, what should be our attitude if we're Christians about money and materialism? It's not exactly what you think. The Bible doesn't say money is evil. The love of money is evil, but money isn't evil. We need to keep uh, money in perspective according to God's word. Three admonitions the Bible gives us about money. Number one, appreciate money without worshiping it. Appreciate it without worshiping it. I mean, the fact is on one hand, it was money that caused the rich young ruler to turn away from Christ. It caused the rich fool in Luke 12 to think all was well with his soul. It was money that caused Judas to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was money that caused Ananias and Sapphira to lie to the Holy Spirit and be struck dead. But on the other hand, it was money that allowed Solomon's temple to be built and people to worship God. It was money that paid for the Last Supper. It was money that funded Paul's three missionary journeys to take the gospel everywhere. When I look at our own First Baptist Church and Pathway to Victory and all the ministries we have, these things been talked about, none of them would have happened without money. Money is neither good nor evil. It's our attitude toward it. William Barclay, the New Testament scholar writes, money in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It is simply dangerous in that the love of it may become bad. With money, a man can do much good. With money, he can do much evil. Many of you know the name of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, the great evangelist, he said one time to his sister, money never stays with me. It would burn me if it did. I throw it out of my hands as soon as possible, lest it should find its way within my heart. While he was living, John Wesley had a lot of money passed through his hands, but he gave away a lot of money. He told people, if when I die, I have more than 10 pounds, that's about $25 to my name, you can call me a robber. John Wesley used money without being possessed by money. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, be on your guard against every kind of greed. Don't hate money, but be aware of the dangers of it. Secondly, the Bible says when it comes to money, we ought to save money without hoarding it. In Ecclesiastes 5:13, Solomon wrote, There is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. You know what hoarding is? It's just trying to stockpile money. Build as big of a pile of it as you can. You get to where you just do it for the sake of doing it, thinking that's where your security is. Don't hoard money, Solomon said. But the Bible says, do save money. In the Bible, you see admonitions to set aside, save money for four distinct purposes. For example, the Bible says we should save money to provide for our future needs. In Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 8, Solomon said, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which, even though it has no chief or officer or ruler, the ant prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest." Secondly, the Bible says we should save to provide for our families. First Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not provide for those of his own household, he is worse than an unbeliever and has denied the faith. Thirdly, we set aside money saved to protect against adversity. Genesis chapter 41, we'll look at it this summer more in detail. But remember the story, God told Pharaoh through Joseph, that there were going to be seven years of famine in the land of Egypt. But before those seven years of famine, there would be seven years of plentiful harvest. And Joseph told Pharaoh, let's set aside 20% of the surplus. Let's store it up for the next seven years so that when the famine comes, we'll have grain to eat. That's God's plan for taking care of adversity in your life. And then fourth, the Bible says, we should save some money to fund future ministry needs. First Corinthians 16, two, Paul said on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. Paul was saying to Corinthians, hey, I'm coming to see you soon. Now I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to ask for some money. There's a special ministry need. You need to start saving for it right now so that when that need comes, you'll have something to give. Friends, I guarantee if you allow the culture to shape your level of contentment, you will suffer from an insatiable appetite for more. Peace, tranquility, and contentment will escape you. And it's for this reason that I implore you to take intentional steps down your own pathway to victory. Allow God to help you move the mountains that are separating you from God's blessings in your life. Mountains like materialism, bitterness, and fear. In recent days, you've likely heard me describe my latest book on this topic. It's also called Invincible. And when you allow the biblical principles we're discussing to penetrate your life, God will begin to move mountains for you. He will transform you from materialism to contentment. A hardbound copy of my book, Invincible, is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Not long ago, I had the privilege of delivering the keynote address to the Convention of National Religious Broadcasters. I chose to warn my colleagues in ministry about the coming persecution of Christians in America. You see, the same persecution Christians around the world are experiencing right now is coming to the shores of America. In fact, some would say it's already here, and we will never know how to respond to that persecution unless we're prepared for it. They recorded my message that evening. It was called When Persecution Comes, and I'm prepared to send you an audio version and a video DVD of this timely message as well. David will give the details, but let me just say thank you for giving generously to this ministry. And together, God is using our
1: partnership to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. You're invited to request the best-selling book, Invincible, Conquering the Mountains That Separate You from the Blessed Life, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, we'll also send you a CD and DVD message that Dr. Jeffers recently delivered at a gathering of Christian broadcasters. Christians need to start preparing now for the day when persecution comes to America. Call us at 866-999-2965 or visit our website, that's at ptv.org. Now when your gift is $75 or more, you'll receive not only the book but also the complete collection of audio and video discs for the Invincible Teaching Series, along with a personal and group study guide. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or find us online, ptv.org. If you'd like to write, here's that mailing address, P.O. Box two twenty three six zero nine Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box two twenty three six zero nine Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us next time for Part 2 of the message called Moving from Materialism, to contentment right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.